Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. The president just made an announcement. I want you to hear this announcement. And then I want to talk about citizenship and the census. Then I want to talk about what Nancy Pelosi told illegal aliens and others today who've been ordered by administrative law judges, immigration judges, to leave the country. She provided them with legal advice that was provided to her, I'm sure, by radical Lawyers provided them with advice on how to avoid ICE. And she has now created a very dangerous situation in this country as the president and the administration on Sunday begin the process of trying to find illegal aliens who are here, who've been adjudicated to be deported as a matter of law under our immigration system, and how the Speaker of the House has advised them How to avoid it. I see people writing on the internet. They're writing things like, we're losing the republic. Right before our eyes. Not tomorrow, not ten years from now, right before our eyes. And it's time to do something about it. Just say no to what people are demanding of it. I'm sitting here scratching my head. What have I been doing 15 years behind this microphone? In seven different books. On TV. And I want to revisit this issue. Those who are ringing alarm bells. What the hell have they been doing the last 15 years other than ringing alarm bells in the last few years? Have they been active in the Tea Party movement? No. Maybe they talk and they write. Have they been active in the Article 5 Convention of States movement? No. That's what we do here on this show. We talk about these things, the republic, our constitution, our history, our liberty. We do it from an intellectual level. We do it as an activist. I said, what what are these people? Which time to act? What do they think the Tea Party movement was all about? What do they think the Article 5 movement's all about? What do they think we do behind this microphone every day? So I want to circle back on that. Part of the problem is a lot of these people who do the writing and talking, they're not out there talking to you. They don't meet you. They don't engage with you. They don't press the flesh. They talk about elitists and people who don't understand Trump supporters or the Tea Party. And yet they don't understand them, even though they keep talking about them and claim to represent them. More in a moment. 
First, the president literally minutes ago, cut 13, go. Therefore, we are pursuing a new option to ensure a complete and timely count of the non-citizen population. Today, I will be issuing an executive order to put this very plan into effect immediately. I am hereby ordering every department and agency in the federal government to provide the Department of Commerce with all requested records regarding the number of citizens and non-citizens in our country. They must furnish all legally accessible records in their possession immediately. We will utilize these vast federal databases to gain a full, complete, and accurate count of the non-citizen population, including databases maintained by the Department of Homeland Security and the Social Security Administration. We have great knowledge in many of our agencies. We will leave no stone unturned. The Census Bureau projected that using previously available records, it could determine citizenship for 90 percent of our population or more. With today's executive order, which eliminates longstanding obstacles to data sharing, we're aiming to count everyone. It's a damn shame that the president has to do it this way. But there's no question that no court, not even the Supreme Court, that no court has any authority whatsoever to interfere with what is a ministerial or administrative task of the executive branch to collect the data that's already been gathered into one place and analyze it. Attorney General Barr followed the president. Cut 14, go. Some in the media have been suggesting in the hysterical mode of the day that the administration has been planning to add the citizenship question to the census by executive fiat without regard to contrary court orders or what the Supreme Court might say. This has been based on rank speculation and nothing more. As should be obvious, there has never been under, this has never been under consideration. We have always accepted that any new decision to add a citizenship question to the census would be subject to judicial review. Okay, so he's saying all these reports that we're going to defy the Supreme Court have been inaccurate. And by the way, I would not have mind if they had defied the Supreme Court because that opinion was an utterly illegitimate opinion. And it's time for a national debate about what this court does, too. Really. And I am on strong historical constitutional ground in making that point. Now, we'll get to Nancy Pelosi in a moment. This issue of citizenship. Notice how everything now is controversial. Everything's debatable and everything's racist. As they pointed out at the Heritage Foundation's Daily Signal, citizenship questions have been used on census for 175 years, and they're citing a minority report by House Republicans, and they're exactly right. The question appeared on the U.S. Census in one form or another for nearly 175 years. Um... Its addition to the 2020 census is not controversial. Every decennial census, every 10 years, from 1820 to 1950, inquired about citizenship. From 1970 to 2000, 
the long-form census set to a segment of the population inquired about citizenship. Since 2005, the Census Bureau has asked 3.5 million Americans about their citizenship every year. So the census appearances cover almost 175 years of the 229 years since the first U.S. Census, 1790. And yet, somehow this has become controversial because, you see, we live in the world of the Democrat Party. We live in the world of the progressive radicals. That's the world we live in. And that's the crap we're fed by the media each and every day. The media are the social activists, the mouthpieces, the propaganda wing, the progressive movement in the Democrat Party. Now, to show you how bad it is, and remember, 10 years ago, this was a non-issue. Nobody cared. People wanted a secure border. Obama was deporting aliens left and right. Not an issue. Today, it's all turned upside down because the Democrat Party lost an election that they decided they need to change the citizenry. In fact, they need to change what a citizen is. Water it down in order to take power back, in order to keep power as long as possible. And so they will use one minority group or another for the purpose of gaining and holding on to power. That's the bottom line. Pelosi at a press briefing today. Cut four, go. On Sunday, west of the Mississippi, our people are in church. No, most of your people are not in church, actually. Most of them aren't. But anyway, go ahead. And as they prepare to go to church, they feel very threatened and scared um, by these raids. Now, I want you to keep something in mind. This president has not deported as many presidents, uh, uh, as many aliens as Obama, because his hands have been tied. This president is seeking to deport individuals who have been adjudicated for deportation. They're not just rounding up people. Now, once you've had an adjudication, whether it's a tax issue, whether you've been in a car accident or whatever, you don't just get to defy the law and act like nothing happened. I don't hear Nancy Pelosi talking about the men and women in church who haven't paid their taxes or haven't complied with Obamacare or some other rule or whatever it is that the left is so uh, enamored with. She doesn't do her uh, crocodile tears about any of them, American citizens. But listen to this. Listen to the. Go ahead. President will think again about it or these groups will weigh in uh, once again. Families belong together. Every person in America has rights. They had their so-called rights adjudicated. There's not a single press operation in America who's pointing out to you what I just did in response to her. In response to her. Go ahead. These families are hardworking members of our communities. And no, our some are and some aren't. This generalization is incredible to me. If you're a hardworking American and you're successful, you've obviously stolen from somebody, you've ripped somebody off. Uh, there, there's something evil about you. On the other hand, if you're an illegal alien in this country earning money under the table, you're a hardworking person. It's incredible. Go ahead. 
this brutal action will terrorize children and tear families apart. Why will it terrorize children and tear families apart? When you put in it, I've talked about this for years, and you've heard the backbenchers mimic what I say. When you put somebody in prison who's a parent, do you put their children in prison with them, Mr. Producer? No. So by Nancy Pelosi's definition, every parent who's in prison, whatever the circumstances, you've torn them from their children, and you've torn their children from them. You've torn the family asunder. And here's the thing. These people have come into the country knowing full well what the possible repercussions are. They voluntarily come into this country. Nobody's asking them to come here. More on Pelosi. Now, now she's going to give advice to illegal aliens who've been adjudicated for deportation. In other words... The law has been applied. They are to be removed from the country. Here's the Speaker of the House of Representatives. Cut five, go. Uh, I, the events that I've been going to uh, recently in Queens and other, other places, but the Queens one was specifically geared to the census. And then the raids uh, it emerged as a part of that discussion. I read them this card. As ICE deportation war- an ICE deportation warrant is not the same as a search warrant. If that is the only document ICE brings to a home raid, agents do not have the legal right to enter a home. If ICE agents don't have a warrant, warrant signed by a judge, a person may refuse to open the door and let them in. An administrative order of Stop. removal... She's reading a card that left-wing activists, lawyers, and front groups hand out. She's reading it to the entire country so that illegal aliens know what to do in order to avoid being removed. In order to avoid being removed. She's putting ICE agents at risk. She's undermining the executive branch, separation of powers. She's eviscerating our immigration laws. She's eviscerating our administrative immigration law judge orders. And she dares to call this president a dictator. She's merely the Speaker of the House. She's merely one of 435 members of the House of Representatives from San Francisco. Don't tell me she's left of center moderate. This is a radical nut. Go ahead. ICE or immigration authorities is simply not enough. Stop. An administrative order, she says, of removal from ICE or immigration authorities. Those immigration authorities are administrative law judges. All this talk about the president defying the Supreme Court, which he has not done, which I would have done, which he has not done on his decision to husband the data on citizenship and non-citizenship that our departments and agencies have in the executive branch, on and on and on. Uh, He's going to be a dictator. How he's going to defy this, how he's going to defy... And yet, it is Nancy Pelosi. It is Nancy Pelosi 
who just put out the word to at least one million illegal aliens who have been administratively adjudicated by administrative law judges in the immigration world to be deported. She just told them to defy these judges. And nobody but me will call her the fascist that she is. That's right, I said it. Now, if she wants to leave Congress and become a radical left-wing lawyer, first she has to get a law degree, and represent illegal aliens, that's one thing. But to use her status as the Speaker of the House of Representatives to encourage illegal activity and the defiance of administrative law judges is beyond the pale. Mark Lovin. Every human being has a common problem. How do I live well? Our happiness and well-being depends on how we answer that question. Hillsdale College President Larry Arn argues that the best book ever written on this subject is Aristotle's Nicomachean Ethics. And a new free online course from Hillsdale College shares Aristotle's teachings that will help you lead the most complete, happy life possible. Register for this free course, Introduction to Aristotle's Ethics, How to Lead a Good Life, featuring lessons from the greatest self-help book ever written at levinforhillsdale.com. In just 10 on-demand videos, each only 30 minutes long, you'll learn how to confront the chief obstacles to happiness and make the choices that build good character. Aristotle presents a guide for securing a virtuous life. And if you take this free course from Hillsdale and heed Aristotle's advice, your life will change for the better. You can learn how to lead a good life just as every Hillsdale College student does. It's yours for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. president's right. The president's doing the very best he can, but always he's forced to have one arm tied behind his back. It's really quite outrageous. Justice John Roberts is a continuing disgrace. Kavanaugh will join him soon. No question in my mind about it. Uh, the Republicans in the Senate, they're moribund. Where the hell are they? They don't come to the defense of the president. They don't go on the offensive. They're not proposing any useful legislation. Nothing. All the action... All the action is in the House of Representatives with the Speaker of the House. You hear nothing out of the United States Senate. You wouldn't think the, uh, the Republicans are even uh, controlling it. It's really appalling to me. Lots more when I return. Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty, with more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times. And recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. 
I want you to visit imprimus.hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S, dot hillsdale, dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. This is the show the New York Times is afraid of. Mark Levin. Call him now at 877-381-3811. You're hearing now, it's very bizarre. People are sending me emails. Look, I work 20 hours a day doing various things, so I don't have time to listen to a lot of radio or watch a lot of TV. I'll try and catch it here and there between meetings, between studios, between events, and so forth. But I'm reading on the Internet, and people are sending me links. It's time to take action, America. We've had enough. We're losing our republic right in front of your eyes. Are you hearing this? Right in front of your eye. We're losing the country right now. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we've been losing the country. The cause for alarm has been an ongoing cause for alarm. Which is why I've never understood why people who have become public figures in radio and TV and elsewhere are so passionate about what they say and so passive about what they do. I don't know how they turn it off at night. I don't know how they turn it off on the weekend and go off and do whatever it is they do, various hobbies. I can't turn it off. Maybe that's a problem, but I can't turn it off. Morning, noon, and night, I fear for this republic. But I'm wondering to myself, these columnists, these broadcasters and others, it's time we act. We're losing the republic. It's right in front of us. Where have they been? Do they read? Do they listen? Do they observe? A friend of mine had sent me these things. So I went and I looked at Men in Black. Men in Black, one of the foremost books on the Supreme Court, really, in modern times. The subtitle of Men in Black is how the Supreme Court is destroying America. Is there a more blunt way to put it? Look at what they've done on the census and so forth. Here's just the last two paragraphs in Men in Black from 2005, 14 years ago. Men in Black not only discusses the background and current threat of judicial tyranny, it also points to several innovative approaches for addressing it, including term limits for Supreme Court justices. It is well past time for a thorough examination of this gathering constitutional crisis. This is a debate we must have and a topic the American people must begin to understand, lest the country we bequeath to our children barely resemble that which the framers established for us. And there's no better source for understanding and grasping the seriousness of this issue than men in black. That's 2005. And I said, well, let me look at Liberty and Tyranny. Most of you have a copy of that book. The entire book is a call to arms, political and liberty, not violence, not guns. The entire book. And at the very end of the book, the very last paragraph in the book, having laid out a conservative manifesto, a conservative manifesto. I quote Ronald Reagan. 
and you're familiar with this by now, quote, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it to our children in the bloodstream. It must be fought for, protected, and handed on for them to do the same. Or one day we will spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it was once like in the United States where men, when men were free, unquote. The very last sentence of the book, we conservatives need to get busy. This book's 10 years old. Let's go to Ameritopia, the book that followed that book. Eight years old. Again, an entire book. Here it is in the epilogue. I'm getting to a point. Please stay with me. It's very important. Ironically and tragically, it seems that liberty and the Constitution established to preserve it are not only essential to the individual's well-being and happiness, but also an opportunity for the devious to exploit them and connive against them. Man is yet to devise a lasting institutional answer to this puzzle. But the best that can be said is that all that really stands between the individual and tyranny is a resolute and sober people. It is the people, after all, around whom the civil society has grown and governmental institutions have been established. At last, the people are responsible for upholding the civil society and Republican government, to which their fate is moored. The essential question is whether in America the people's psychology has been so successfully warped, the individual spirit so thoroughly trounced, and the civil society's institutions so effectively overwhelmed that revival is possible. Have too many among us already surrendered or been conquered? Can the people overcome the constant and relentless influences of ideological indoctrination, economic manipulation, and administrative corrosiveness? Or have they become hopelessly entangled in and dependent on a ubiquitous federal government? Have the Pavlovian appeals to radical egalitarianism and the fomenting of jealousy and faction through class warfare and collectivism condition the people to accept or even demand compulsory uniformity as just and righteous? Is it accepted as legitimate and routine that the government has sufficient license to act whenever it claims to do so for the good of the people and against the selfishness of the individual? No society is guaranteed perpetual existence. But I have to believe that the American people are not ready for servitude. For if this is our destiny and the destiny of our children, I cannot conceive that any people, now or in the future, will successfully resist it for long. I have to believe that this generation of Americans will not condemn future generations to centuries of misery and darkness. This is eight years ago. The Tea Party movement is a hopeful sign. Its members come from all walks of life in every corner of the country. These citizens have the spirit and enthusiasm of the Founding Fathers, proclaim the principles of individual liberty and rights in the Declaration, and insist on the federal government's compliance with its constitutional limits. This explains the utopian fury against them. They are astutely aware of the peril of the moment. But there are also the Pollyannas and the blissfully indifferent citizens who must be roused and enlisted, lest the civil society continue to unravel and eventually dissolve, and the despotism long feared take firm hold. So my fellow countrymen, last sentence in the book, 
Which do we choose? Ameritopia or America? That's Ameritopia. Then I wrote a book called The Liberty Amendments. This isn't about me. Stick with me. I'm making a point here. In addition to a conservative manifesto, in addition to the cases and arguments and activist solutions I've tried to come up with, I wrote an entire book on the Liberty Amendments. Article 5. Article 5. Is there another major broadcaster in America who has spent more than three minutes on this? We have 14 state legislatures who have now signed on to this. Have they talked about it at all? Other than beating their chests and patting themselves on the head? No, they haven't. And by the way, in August, my wife and I will be heading to Williamsburg, Virginia, working with state legislators from all over the country on this movement, just as I attended Tea Party events and encouraged them and spoke to them. I won't be joined by any other major talk show host, TV or radio. At the very end of the Liberty Amendments, I write, in the, and the people upon reflection will decide their own fate once their attention is drawn. As President Reagan stated, you and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We will preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we will sentence them to take the first step into a thousand years of darkness. If we fail, at least let our children and our children's children say of us that we justified our brief moment here. We did all that could be done. Then I ask, let us do all that can be done. Let us be inspired by the example of our forefathers and their courage, strength, and wisdom. Let us be inspired by the genius of the Constitution and its preservation of the individual and the civil society. Let us unleash an American renaissance in which liberty is celebrated and self-government is cherished. Let us together, we the people, restore the splendor of the American Republic. Time is of the essence. Let's get started today. The book about Article 5 and help launch another movement. And I have to hear today, it's time to take action. It's time to take action. Where have these people been? Then there's plunder and deceit. Plunder and deceit is all about the unraveling of the republic and drawing the attention of the young people. Whether knowingly or not, whether by choice or surrender, these citizens have been absorbed into the soft tyranny of an increasingly autocratic government. Although there are fanatics and malcontents among them, the vast majority of these citizens are family members, friends, neighbors, and co-workers. So I ask the rising generation, America's younger people, What do you choose for yourself and future generations? Do you choose liberty or tyranny? And what do you intend to do about it? (coughs) One more. Rediscovering Americanism and the tyranny of progressivism. I said, I confess that I often wonder what America will have become in 50 or 100 years. 
What will the future hold for our children and grandchildren? Will they be free, happy, prosperous, independent, and secure? What will be left of our constitutional system? Will the Bill of Rights have the force of law? What about property rights? Will they matter? How many will remember or care to learn about our founding principles are concisely and brilliantly set forth in the Declaration? How many remember or care today? What of the civil society or the social compact? Will it have frayed beyond repair? Will, it, will we have been conquered from within as Jefferson's story and Lincoln feared might be our fate? Will we have avoided the doom of Athens and Rome? If we are honest with ourselves, we must agree that the outcome is unclear. The reason? A century or so of progressive governance and schemes targeting the uniqueness of America, including its founding principles and Republican system. Future generations will look back on what we have done and know the answers. They will draw their judgments about this generation and record them in their history books. What lessons will they have learned? What will they say about us? <clears throat> will they say that we were a wise and conscientious people who understood and appreciated the blessings of our existence and surroundings and prudentially and conscientiously cared for them? And will they say we were a self-indulgent and insensitive people, easily shepherded in one direction or another, who stole the future from our children and generations yet born and squandered an irreplaceable heritage? Those of us whose eyes are open, whatever our numbers, have a moral obligation to try and rouse our fellow citizens, to take a sober and critical look at the decaying societal conditions, from which truthful conclusions can be drawn and perhaps improvements made. I understand the dawning task, given the powerful tide against which we must swim and the condemnations and mockeries from those who fear such inquiries and wish to escape them. Yet there's neither virtue nor benefit in denial or self-censorship. There's no possible escape from reality. And we can gain strength from our own history and the courage and wisdom of the Founding Fathers, and so many others who came before us. Besides, we have no choice. And today, this week, it's declared, it's time we take action, that look in front of you, ladies and gentlemen, we're losing our republic. Why did I read all of that to you? I read all of that to you, ladies and gentlemen, because you've been warned and I've been warned. We've all been warned for years. And part of the problem in the conservative movement, I'm just being honest with you, is we are as divided as Nancy Pelosi and AOC. We're not as outspoken about it, but we are. There are jealousies. There are other things going on. So we cannot unite and we do not unite. There are people who are part-time patriots, patriots during the week, and they put it all behind them during the weekend as they pursue their other pursuits. We don't have our act together. We don't have our act together. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what's beautiful, and hold up what is good. 
but the vast majority of them have abandoned their missions, locked in the grip of political correctness. They no longer allow free and open discourse, rejecting the idea of objective truth. They peddle moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, none of this applies to Hillsdale College. For almost two centuries, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. Now, as Hillsdale celebrates its 175th year, it remains committed to offering its students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. These include free online courses, the publication of its Free Speech Digest and Primus, its Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, D.C., and its Barney Charter School Initiative, which is helping to establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide. Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, this is Hillsdale College. And let me add, I think so much of Hillsdale College. I donated an original copy of a compilation of the Federalist Papers, which sit today as I speak at the Kirby Center. Hillsdale College, America's College. When President Trump says America will never be a socialist country, he couldn't be more right. That's why it's so troubling that a proposal from the Department of Health and Human Services would move us exactly in that direction. The International Drug Pricing Index, that's what they call it. They might as well call it the Global Drug Pricing Index, would adopt socialist price controls set by foreign countries. Today, Americans get access to cutting-edge therapies for diseases like cancer nearly two years before other countries. The future holds incredible promise for fighting diseases, the really tough diseases that are destroying millions of lives. The HHS proposal would cripple America's world-leading medical innovation, and that's what it's going to take to address and cure these diseases. We would have fewer cures, and they'd be harder to obtain. We should control costs with market-based reforms, by fostering competition, and by making other countries pay their fair share not with socialist price controls. Keep America great by keeping American medical innovation great. Visit protectmypartb.org. Protectmypartb.org. Paid for by Americans for tax reform. You know, I remember in the Bush years when they were pushing this comprehensive immigration reform. And you had hosts on TV and particularly radio who were very close to George W. Bush. I never knew George W. Bush The times I was at the White House, maybe two or three, he couldn't have been nicer. But I never socialized with the Bushes, never asked to socialize with the Bushes, and so others were and did. The true history of this conservative movement is that early on, many supported that comprehensive immigration reform. Remember that, Mr. Producer, Rich? Many supported it. And I went on the airwaves and fought it. You fought it, you longtime Levinites. You're the ones who called Capitol Hill. You're the ones who shut down their phone system. The backbenchers would eventually catch up. But they wanted to embrace it. I remember talking to several of them, trying to talk them out of their positions, off the air and offline. Now they... 
They present themselves as the leaders of that movement. This is what I'm talking about. Consistent, principled opposition to the progressive left is crucial. And consistent, principled support for liberty and the Constitution and capitalism is crucial. And more than just in front of a TV camera and more than just behind a microphone. You got to embrace the grassroots movements, the people who are going door to door. Not just claim that you represent them or claim that you got there before them. We have several million people right now going door to door in the Convention of States movement. They're not getting virtually any support from talk radio or television. I'll be right back. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello everybody, Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, Joe Biden, uh, I don't know if you know this, he gave a speech today. Now, Mr. Producer, I'm giving you a heads up on uh, cut 10 and cut 11. He was at the Sydney University of New York. Just shows you how in touch with blue-collar America he actually is. And uh, I guess we should call him Professor Biden now, right? He made three quarters of a million dollars over two years teaching, quote unquote, at the University of Pennsylvania. We don't know what he taught. We don't know how many courses he taught. We don't actually know how many classes there were during the times he taught. He made a lot of money. University of Pennsylvania, the guy's dim-witted. It's for the left. The left is always rewarded, whether it's Netflix with the Obamas or or these massive book deals, or university jobs. You, know, you can take it. I mean, honest to God, Al Gore is as dumb as a flounder. And then you have Joe Biden, who's dumb as a clam. Two failed vice presidents. And they become extraordinarily wealthy. They can't even talk. So Joe Biden at the SUNY University of New York, SUNY, don't you know? And he says, we believe in a free press. press. Cut 10, go. We believe in freedom of religion. That's why we'll end the Muslim ban. I stop. There is no Muslim ban. This is, this is what I mean. These people are dangerous. They will say anything for power. They will do anything. They don't care if they wreck the economy. Wreck the Constitution, wreck the country, they will say anything. There is no religious ban, Muslim or otherwise, in our immigration system. Period. You jackass, that's what you are. To be lying to the American people this way. If Donald Trump had said something like this, you know, we'd have that clown on CNN and the other clown at the Washington Compost going on. That's line number 12,703. If they were truly keeping track of lies, 
the entire left would have 12,703 lies because everything they propose is a lie. Everything they say in support of what they propose is a lie. Free health care for all. It's impossible. But they'll destroy the country to pursue it. Eliminate ICE. You can't eliminate ICE. And on and on. Anyway, go ahead. We believe in free speech. No, you don't believe in free speech. Anybody been to a college campus lately? Anybody been to a college campus? They believe in free speech? We believe in free speech. No, you don't. In fact, you want to shut down talk radio? You want to shut down Fox? You, you jerk. You were vice president when you unleashed the Department of Justice against the Fox News reporter Rose and the New York Times reporter Rise and against the Associated Press. We believe in free speech. Go ahead. And the gag rule, the global gag rule that prevents money from getting to NGOs who even talk about family planning. Well, 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 why are we spending any money on NGOs about family planning? Well, what, what is that? Family planning? They don't mean family planning. They mean abortion, late-term abortion, infanticide. They call this family planning now. Well, you know, we believe in family planning. No, you don't. I love this party, don't you? Not, not in the least. What are you going to do, separate children from their parents? No, 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 no. We're going to let them die after they're born. Is that better? Isn't that your policy in New York, Mr. Cuomo? Anyway, go ahead. We believe in the power of free press. No, you don't. Which brings me to my next point, following up on my first hour. Those of you who have read Unfreedom of the Press, I think you'll agree there's a lot of information in there that I've uncovered that you really didn't know, that I didn't know. When I research a book and write a book, I don't pretend to know everything. I'm looking into information, and I provide endnotes at the end. It drives the libs. Look at all the endnotes. Yeah, look at all the endnotes. You ought to try it. It's called research. It's called scholarship. And I put those endnotes on there so you can check me. And if you want to pursue something, you can pursue it on your own. Because those of you who listen to this show or watch my shows or read my books, you're smart. You don't have to be, you know, PhDs, but you're smart. Because I don't just go through a list of things on a website and go on and on and on. No. So here is a book that truly undresses the mass modern media in this country like no book before. And you don't have to believe me. That's Cal Thomas, the great columnist, Cal Thomas, who's a wonderful, wonderful man. That's, I paraphrase what he said. He's been around a while. He knows this business. And here I am, I'm going in great detail, but it's very, very readable, like liberty and tyranny, on where these people come from, their associations, what's between their ears, what their tactics are, what their techniques are, on and on, in explicit detail, explicit detail. And what did I tell you the first hour? The conservative movement is divided. 
into many pieces. We can't even come together on how we're going to address the media. Oh, yeah, bloviators on TV and radio go on and on 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 a very surface level. Look at the media. Can you believe the media? The media. Can you believe the media? The media. Okay. How about we really dig into this? Nah, I don't want to really dig into it. You know. So a handful of them. I'm not talking about the great local hosts, but a handful of them. A handful of them. Have even bothered to read the book. Their audiences have read the book. But they don't want to read the book. This is bizarre to me. Absolutely bizarre. Again, it's not about me. It's the information that's between the covers of the book that are very, very important. And the over 400 endnotes where people can pursue them on their own. It's very strange. It's very, very strange. How do we defeat the left? If we're undermining our own forces. If we don't give support to the Article 5 Convention of States movement. If we don't give support to the Tea Party movement. If we don't give support to the people who are doing the hard work at nights and on the weekends, not putzing around, doing the research, looking at the scholarship, examining things. People who care about the country, care about liberty. How are we going to defeat these people? But saying, just say no. Just go out there and do something. What does that mean? It means nothing. You know very well, those of you who are loyal listeners, I get people from time to time who call and say, we need to do X. And I always say, what do you mean we? What do you mean we? You. You can do something. You're stronger than you know. You're more powerful than you know. You're a leader and you may not know it. You want to encourage people, inspire people. You want to meet people and talk to people. It doesn't mean you can go to every event or speak at every... No. But you can do enough of it every year. Because people want to hear. They want to know. They want support. They want to meet you. And it's invigorating. I know it's invigorating for me. So here we have a book on freedom of the press. And my publisher says by the time we're done, there'll be over a half a million of these books sold. Over a half a million? Over the course of the next month. uh, Several months. We're almost at 400,000 now. In fact... They just sent me an email and said, we're going to publish more, print more books. And this is without the voices that should be supporting this effort to expose what to me today is the greatest challenge we have when we talk about liberty and constitutionalism and capitalism and so forth, which is a press that is not a free press which is a press that is a propaganda machine for a big centralized government in the Democrat Party. And don't let a story here or there, you know, in an effort by them to persuade you otherwise. This is a, a monolithic industry with a monopoly ideology. That's what it is. 
kind of reminds me of over two years ago. Because I say, I, I, I'm not out there, you know, on the weekends, putzing around and doing this, that, or the other. It's just not who I am. It's not, I'm either with family or I'm working. That's it. And I don't consider this work. I don't consider reading work. I don't consider research and analysis work. It's who I am. It's what I do. And many of you are probably the same way. But it's like March of 2017. Mr. Producer will tell you that I sat at this desk, sat in my X chair, went through a whole bunch of articles, started piecing this together really an hour before the program, Rich. I said, holy mackerel, they've been surveilling the president and his campaign. All we did is uncover the reporting and put it together. So wait a minute. They have a FISA application? Nobody was talking about a FISA application. Look at this report back in whatever it was, October. Look at this McClatchy report. Look at these New York Times reports. It was the New York Times that used the word wiretap in the headline. I didn't make it up. Look at all this. And so that was a Thursday night behind this microphone. Then I said, I got to push the word out more. Then I went on Fox and Friends, I think it was Sunday, with the great Pete Hegseth, among others. Then I was on Hannity Monday. And then I came under vicious attack. Every major news outlet. Personal attacks. And I can count on one hand the national hosts who came to my defense. There were many local hosts, and I want to thank them. I always do. They, they're some of the smartest people at the local level. But at the national level, actually, I think I can count three. I just knew I was in a battle for the next 10 days or two weeks. I had to put, fight back. I had to push back. It's incredible. So, I mean, it's a divided conservative movement. You see, Tucker Carlson came under attack the other day. My instinct was immediately, based on what he said, I agreed with what he said. It was to defend the man. I don't even know him. I've texted with him in the past. I like him. But I know they're trying to destroy him, and all he did was tell the truth. He told the truth. But I actually had friends, I thought they were, who didn't say a word. Not one word. And it's not about me. Again, I'm explaining. I know it's hard. The divisions in the conservative movement or conservatism, call it whatever you will. You cannot effectively fight this force on the other side if you refuse to participate in grassroots activities. If you just blow off steam as a host. You cannot effectively fight the other side, if you don't defend and support your generals, your admirals, with air cover. You you cannot effectively fight the other side if you're going to allow, I don't know what it is, narcissism or egomaniacalism or pure jealousy or whatever it is to get in your way. Because then we cripple ourselves. So you learn a lot of life lessons. 
But it's like I tell myself and I tell my family. And I tell you, my radio family. We fight on. We just keep fighting on. What they're doing to this country is absolutely unacceptable. That's what my father and mother would tell me. Just keep plowing ahead. You have no choice. There's no other place to go. And that's what we'll continue to do here. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now, you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. that a lot of these people were never terribly conservative in the first place. You never know, do you? Maybe it's all been a show of some sort. You've had people say, and I've read, I've read people say this, what the hell has conservatism ever done? Let me tell you what conservatism has done. First of all, conservatism is shorthand for our founding principles. Let's see, what's conservatism done in the last few decades? It's destroyed the Soviet Union. It's created 25 million jobs. That's a pretty good start. It has preserved the greatest country on the face of the earth, to this point anyway, unless it's abandoned. We don't appreciate what conservatism is about and what conservatism has done. So what do we stand for? We're unmoored. Conservatism is, is about liberty. And it's mocked by former conservatives. It's mocked. What did they ever do for us? Look at what the situation we're in. Like I say, Thomas Paine. The great Thomas Paine. What would he call these people? Not summertime soldiers. He'd call call them fakes. That's what he would call them. Fakes. I'm going to move on. There's a lot of news out there, and I'm sure you want to hear about it. We'll go into it. I'm sure you haven't heard about it all day long. Not. Same stories over and over and over again. I'm just not into doing that. Unless, of course, I have a different take and my own take on it. 
But there is something interesting. This Jeffrey Epstein story. The Hollywood Reporter. Seems like Jeffrey Epstein had, uh, even after his conviction, access to Hollywood, actors, actresses, directors, producers, you know. They didn't mind him at all. He's a big Democrat, big donor, billionaire. They wanted to be close to the guy. More on this when I return. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. Unapologetic patriot and unapologetic constitutionalist. You can reach him at 877-381-3811. Demand letters from the IRS are hitting the mail. Now, if you owe back taxes, you may be receiving one soon. And when that arrives, you'll have lots of questions like, is it true that the IRS can garnish my paycheck? Can the IRS really take my home and bank accounts? And can they get my retirement savings? Yes, and the IRS can do a lot more than that. But there is a way out. It's called the Fresh Start Initiative, an official government program for tax debt assistance. Nobody knows more about the Fresh Start Initiative than the award-winning experts, the lawyers, the former IRS uh, employees and so forth that are employed by Optima Tax Relief. Now, Optima's mission is to stand between you and the IRS fighting to help protect your paycheck and assets and helping you get the best deal possible. But don't delay, because the IRS can tack on hefty penalties and interest every day. Call Optima now for your free consultation while you still have options. Call 800-499-6300, 800-499-6300, You've heard me talk about this before. Now, if you're in a position where you need help, you need to pull the trigger and get that help. 800-499-6300. Some restrictions may apply for complete details. Please visit OptimaTaxRelief.com. Now, I had uh, moved into this Hollywood Reporter story, but I, I, I want to pull back because I wanted to get to some one last thing before that with Joe Biden. Let's go back to cut 10 from the Biden uh, press conference. Go right ahead. We believe in freedom of religion. That's why I will end the Muslim ban. 
We believe in free speech. That's why I'll end the gag rule, the global gag rule that prevents money from getting to NGOs who even talk about family planning. We believe in the power of free press. That's why I'll return immediately to daily press briefings in the White House, the State Department, and the Defense Department. Now, that's not particularly tough, since they work hand in glove, since it is the Praetorian Guard Democrat Party media, so big deal. But Trump actually provides the media more access to him than Obama ever did and than O'Biden ever did. Even now, Biden's been deal is is under the control of handlers because he's such a moron. They want him to stick to a script. Trump has no script. He has no script. It's remarkable. And he'll go out before he gets on the helicopter or whatever it is in a car, and he will go up to the press and he will talk to them. The reason he doesn't have a formal press conference anymore is because of Jim Acosta. Because Acosta was dip- disrupting these, these press conferences and the ability to actually have press interaction with the President of the United States. The President says, okay, I'll go to the press rather than the press come into the, uh, into the so-called uh, press conference room. I'll deal with it that way. So they've had more access to him than they ever had to Obama. Remember, Obama would go for forever without a press conference. When he did, maybe he'd get three questions in. Because he would purposely filibuster and lecture and condescend. You learn nothing from an Obama press conference. And he was never interrupted. Never. Treated with respect, unlike Trump, who's never treated with respect and never has been by this so-called free press. So I just wanted to underscore the point as uh, Biden slurs his way through another speech. They're not for freedom of religion. There is no Muslim ban. It's a lie. They're not for freedom of speech. They barely ever talk about the activities going on on our college campuses, among other places. They'd love nothing more than to gag talk radio and to gag the Fox News channel. It's a funny thing. We hear on and on and on, and I pointed out in my book, on and on and on, Trump's attack on the press. And there's many points to be made about that, which I make. And yet, when they attack the Fox News channel, the people who attack the Fox News channel are never, ever said to be anti-press, are never, ever said to be like dictators. Because that's okay, because Fox is the one place that does not throw in with the rest of the media. Now, some of their hosts do, and certainly some of their guests do, but as, a, but as an institution, it doesn't. Right, let's get back to this Epstein story. There is something that has been bothering me, I mean, many things, obviously, but from a uh, prosecutorial perspective. Where was the state prosecutor? Where was the state prosecutor? You know, this Palm Beach community, I don't live in the Palm Beach community, but this Palm Beach community is a very tight-knit community. Very liberal, very Democrat, very rich. It's like the Hollywood on the East Coast. They like their expensive cars, their expensive homes, their expensive clothes, their expensive restaurants. That's fine by me. 
Of course, they don't like it if the rest of us achieve that level, but you know, you understand. And certainly not everybody in Palm Beach, but it's overwhelmingly liberal, overwhelmingly Democrat. And everybody seems to know everybody there. Their politicians are Democrat, their media, Democrat, their prosecutors, their state attorneys, Democrat. As was this state prosecutor, Democrat. Now, I don't pretend to know all the facts. We just don't know all the facts. We know this guy Epstein is a disgusting subhuman. That much we know. But when I say we don't know all the facts, what I don't understand is why the state prosecutor was so passive. Why would the state prosecutor be so passive? Are the media going to dig into this? Are they going to ask him? Are they going to drag him out of mothballs and dust him off and introduce him to the American people? I understand they're pursuing Acosta. Do as you will. I can't stop him anyway, not that I should. I'm not a special pleader for the guy, but I'd like to know more about the state prosecutor. What's his explanation? Now, he's challenging Acosta's story. That's fine, but I want to know about him, about his office, about their recommendations, about his dealings with Epstein and Epstein's lawyers. I don't know a damn thing about any of that, do you? Why not? Even the media are trying to turn this into a Republican thing. With Acosta, they're trying to drag Trump in here. It's disgusting. If Acosta, if what Acosta did was wrong, and I'm no great fan of his or what he did, let me just say that up front. And he goes. And I'm sure, and I don't know for a fact, but I'm sure the president feels the same way. President's a man of integrity. But why is there almost no focus on the state prosecutor? Since these are largely state claims. Hollywood story. Jeffrey Epstein moved freely in Hollywood circles even after 2008 conviction. By Tatiana Siegel and Marisa Guthrie. See, no longer does one reporter write a story. The billionaire arrested July 6th for sex trafficking of minors attended high-profile events like the Batman vs. Superman premiere and frequented Oscar season parties even as the Me Too movement took down other powerful figures. This is the left. It's incredible. This is like the idiot Schumer going to the Senate floor trying to drag the president into this, this outrageous scandal when he himself has taken... Thousands and thousands of dollars from Epstein for his campaigns. It's, it's just, it's sickening. On March 20, 2016, guests at Warner Brothers' Batman vs. Superman Dawn of Justice premiere in New York began whispering about one man mingling along with the A-list crowd. No, it wasn't the film's Ben Affleck or Henry Cavill or Affleck's hulking bodyguard who almost knocked over the studio's former marketing head Sue Kroll as the VP area became too crowded. The surprise looks were aimed at Jeffrey Epstein, who was being introduced to guests by New York Society Donye uh, Peggy Siegel. 
When a Warner's executive was asked at the time how a highly recognizable level three registered sex offender landed the hottest ticket in town, the executive offered no comment. As Epstein's July 6 arrest for sex trafficking of minors in New York and Florida dominates headlines. News outlets have focused on the billionaire's ties to powerful government officials, including President Trump and Clinton. There's no ties to Trump. I mean, Clinton is all over this thing. Took dozens of flights with this guy. (laughs) Equally troubling are Epstein's long cultivated relationships within Hollywood and New York media circles. We moved with ease well after his high-profile 2008 conviction for soliciting prostitution from girls as young as 14. After serving a 13-month sentence and a subsequent year of house arrest in Palm Beach, Florida, Epstein in late 2010 hosted a dinner party in honor of his friend Prince Andrew at the 71st Street Mansion in New York. Listen to this. Among the 15 to 20 guests the New York Post reported at the time were Katie Couric. Charlie Rose, Woody Allen, Chelsea Handler, and George Stephanopoulos. Hello, hello, hello. By the way, not a Republican among them. But Katie Couric, Charlie Rose, Woody Allen, Chelsea Handler, and George Stephanopoulos. A source close to Couric tells... The Hollywood Reporter was her first and last encounter with Epstein. Well, imagine that. Lasagna was served, and Epstein led his guests on a tour of the house. He was wearing jeans and a velvet, stubs and wootens and slippers. Multiple sources say the event was organized by Siegel. He presented it as an opportunity to meet the prince, the largest single-family dwelling in New York City. Given that it was less than two months after Kate Middleton and Prince William's engagement, Interest in the Royals was running high. Multiple guests who now declined to speak on the record noted the optics of attending such an event did not raise an eyebrow, part because the invite came from Siegel, Peggy Siegel, New York Society. She declined comment. Even in the post-Me Too era, Epstein 66 frequently attended industry events like the Gotham Awards in November 2017. Amid a climate where figures including Harvey Weinstein and CBS's Leslie Moonves had instantly become persona non grata for alleged misconduct, Epstein had been convicted, and he still enjoyed film world access. As he traveled behind the velvet rope with ease, his alleged co-conspirator, Chelsea Maxwell, was also embraced. At the time of Epstein's conviction, Maxwell was not charged, thanks to a highly controversial non-prosecution agreement. Now, by the way, let me stop here. There is a guy running for governor of Mississippi. I know nothing about this guy, but I just saw something on TV. And he did something that's apparently very provocative and controversial. There was a reporter who wanted to ride with him throughout the day while he was campaigning. A very attractive reporter. This gentleman is religious. He's married. And he said he and his wife took a vow a long time ago that they will not be, for any significant period of time, alone with somebody of the opposite sex. So he said, no, you can't drive around with me for 15, 16, 17 hours alone. Perhaps you can bring somebody. 
He's being vilified all over TV and all over the media. How can you reject a reporter who happens to be female? Is that not sexist? Is that what he did, ladies and gentlemen? No, that's not what he did. He said he doesn't want to be in the same car with an individual of the opposite sex with what would effectively be all day long during the workday. I mean, what if there's an accusation against him? He's being vilified. And yet look what takes place by the liberals in Hollywood, in New York, in these high society circles. Look, Look what I'm reading to you here from the Hollywood Reporter. Too bad Hollywood and New York and the rest of them aren't more like this guy from Mississippi. I feel exactly like he does. You wouldn't find me in a car 16, 17 hours with a woman who's not my wife, driving around, campaigning and so forth. And I'm sure my wife, I haven't even talked to my wife, I'm sure she would agree with me. Because she doesn't trust me, because it's not proper. At least it's not to me. All right, I'll finish this story when I return. Mark Lovin. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. Hillsdale College, you know, our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what is beautiful, and hold up what is good. The vast majority of them have abandoned their missions, haven't they? Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse. Rejecting the idea of objective truth, they peddle moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, none of this applies to Hillsdale College. Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. Now, as Hillsdale celebrates its 175th year, it remains committed to offering the students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Now, these include free online courses, the publication of its free speech digest in Primus, its Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, D.C., and its Barney Charter School Initiative, which is helping to establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide. Now, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, this 
is the great Hillsdale College. Hollywood Reporter. Despite well-publicized claims that she wrangled teen girls for Epstein and partook in sexual abuse, Chiselaine Maxwell, if that is her name, in recent years has been spotted at top-tier award season parties in New York and Los Angeles, where she hobnobbed with a pre-scandal Weinstein, Elon Musk, and Jeff Bezos. She even attended the 2014 Vanity Fair Oscar bash, posing with the magazine's editor, Graydon Carter. Epstein's little black book, which became part of the public record after his first arrest, contains a who's who of the entertainment world. 2015, Gawker published the flight logs from Epstein's jet, which showed that Kevin Spacey, Chris Tucker, and such powerful players as Bill Clinton and inventor Ron Burkle took one flight to Africa. Now, I don't know if they did anything. I'm just reading this. A source close to Burkle says he was invited by Clinton, assumed the ride was vetted, and flew home on a commercial jet after finding Epstein to be creepy. One top Hollywood veteran notes Epstein was very interested in show business and would reach out for information about the industry. Let me stop here. Notice the closeness of media and Hollywood and the Democrats. Notice how Avenatti got involved with these guys and Epstein's with these guys and Harvey Weinstein. And and, uh, it's just this is their world. One top Hollywood veteran notes Epstein was very interested in show business, as I said. Epstein also made efforts to control the message. In 2004, he bought Radar magazine from, uh, with Mort Zuckerman, gaining a foothold in the realm of publications. And it goes on. In 2003, WWD reported that he tried to buy New York magazine with Weinstein, Zuckerman, billionaire investor Nelson Peltz, then Cablevision chief Jim Dolan, and Donnie Deutsch. Donnie Deutsch? Or is it Donnie Douche? That's that guy from MSNBC. Whoa, we'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. So as I was ending the last hour, I came across a name that caught my attention in this rather interesting piece in The Hollywood Reporter about Jeffrey Epstein, the serial a pedophile, Democrat donor, billionaire, hobnobbing with Democrats in Palm Beach, in New York, Hollywood. Same community as Harvey Weinstein. All these Democrat strongholds, you might say. So I came across this sentence, you might recall. In 2003, WWD reported... Epstein tried to buy New York Magazine with Weinstein, Zuckerman, billionaire investor Nelson Peltz, then Cablevision chief Jim Dolan, and Donnie Douche. A representative for Weinstein declined to comment. Douche, a marketing entrepreneur and well-known media personality who is a contributor to MSNBC's Morning Joe, 
He also hosts the network's Saturday Night Politics program. Said on the show several months ago that Epstein tried to suck him into that world, but he quickly rebuffed those efforts. I could see there was something very, very wrong here, he said. Deutsch, through a spokesman, declined further comment. Well, why would he decline further comment? I can't think of why. Would you decline further comment? Seems to me he has a lot more explaining to do. Not that he did anything wrong. Of course. A man who called the president and his supporters neo-Nazis effectively. Why should he have to explain himself, ladies and gentlemen? In hindsight, it might come as no surprise that the New York media never covered the Epstein story aggressively, despite the fact that it happened in its own backyard. It wasn't until the Miami Herald's Julie Brown wrote a three-part story late last year that the feds launched a new investigation into Epstein, which led to his current arrest and incarceration. A lawyer involved with the cases notes, quote, those relationships are a big part of the Jeffrey Epstein story of how he evaded justice for all these years, meaning his ties to liberal politicians, to liberal media types, to Hollywood, to liberal billionaires and millionaires. That's how he evaded justice for all those years. Imagine that. And you were supposed to believe this is a Republican scandal, as I said, 48 hours ago. Oh, yeah, you're hearing it all today, but you understand. Donnie Douche, who's on the Morning Schmo show with the Morning Schmo and Mrs. Schmo, seems to me it'll be brought back to the Morning Schmo show, and he should be asked a number of questions. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm a little unclear on what to think about the following. I'm a little unclear about this. From our friends at the Daily Wire, more Democrats turn on Ocasio-Cortez and her chief of staff. Representative William Lacey Clay, Democrat, Missouri, he's an African-American, the very well-known, blasted Socialist Representative Alexander Ocasio-Cortez for suggesting that House Speaker Nancy Pelosi was targeting her because Pelosi was racist, saying that it shows how weak Ocasio-Cortez's argument is. Clay also directed fire at Ocasio-Cortez's far-left chief of staff, Sakat Chakarabarti. Well, you try pronouncing it. The far-left justice Democrats, Representative Ilyar Omar, Rashida Talib, and Ayanna Presley. What a weak argument, because you can't get your way, and because you're getting pushed back, you resort to using the race card. Unbelievable, he says. That's unbelievable to me, Clay said. I could care less. I could really care less. I agree with the speaker. Four people, four votes out of 240 people. Who cares? Ooh. Shows you how weak their argument is when they have to resort and direct racist accusations towards Speaker Pelosi. It's very disappointing to me. My gracious. He sounds like a right-wing Republican. Maybe even a white supremacist. Clay's remarks came in response to Ocasio-Cortez suggesting earlier this week that Pelosi was racist in response to Pelosi's criticisms of her. Quote, when these comments, excuse me, when these comments first started, 
I kind of thought she was keeping the progressive flank at more of an arm's distance in order to protect more moderate members, which I understood. So the Catholic Guard does. But the persistent singling out, it got to a point where it was just outright disrespectful. The explicit singling, <coughs> excuse me, singling out of newly elected women of color. The fight between Ocasio-Cortez and Pelosi has been building for months. It goes on. What are we to make of this, ladies and gentlemen? I don't know whose side to take here. Do you, Mr. Producer? Is Nancy Stretch Pelosi a racist? Could be. Could be. Or is she not a racist? I don't know. Is Ocasio-Cortez correct about this? I mean, the media hold up. Ocasio-Cortez, they celebrate her as a leading light in the Democrat Party. Calling Nancy Stretch Pelosi a racist? Wonder what Media Matters thinks and Mediaite and all the other kook websites. They must be confounded. They don't know what to do. I wonder what that soccer idiot, Megan What's-Her-Face, thinks. You know, the hero. I deserve this. I deserve... Shut up and sit down, you idiot. Oh. And so we have uh, the battling race card thing going on here. People are lining up. Identity politics, which is what the Democrat Party is based on now. Finger pointing. Who's the more pure and who's the less pure? Who's the racist and who isn't the racist? I, 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 I have to tell you, Mr. Bader, I'm actually enjoying this. Because it just shows you how this works. I talk about it many times. It's like after the communist revolution in Russia, where they start to turn on each other. Where they have enormous paranoia, and the narcissism rises to the top. And one's trying to outposition another, and then the propaganda starts, and the narrative starts. And there's poor Lenin. Shortly after the revolution, a very sick man, and he would die soon thereafter. He says, yeah, you, 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 you better watch out for Stalin. Well, it's too late. Trotsky runs off to South America. Eventually, he's killed in a horrific way. They find him on a meat hook. And Stalin just methodically starts to kill all the other communists, all the other revolutionaries who were involved in the communist revolution. So the question is, is she the new Stalin? Is Pelosi the Lenin? Who's who in this infighting between the far left and the far, far left? I love it. Pelosi, she's left of center. Oh, really? Like she's some kind of moderate leftist. No, she's not. She's a power-hungry left-wing kook from the Phil Burton School of uh, Politics. Go ahead and Google Phil Burton of California. He was another one. He brought her under his wing, taught her how to... uh, Slice and dice, other politicians and so forth. And Pelosi has been a, a very vicious politician her entire life. Just because she stands in that big stupid husband of hers. And by the way, I'm still waiting for the Pelosi family tax returns. Where are their tax returns? 
So we have Ocasio-Cortez, we have Talib, Omar, then apparently another lady from Massachusetts, Ayanna Presley. Never heard of her before. These are the four votes. They're all women and women of color. You know, there's a lot of women out there and women of color who don't share the views of these four clowns. And I'm sick and tired of each one of them, in every case, raising the race card. It's reached such a historical point. Now Nancy Pelosi's a racist. And by the way, so is Joe Biden. Joe Biden's a racist. Nancy Pelosi's a racist. They don't understand. They're old and they're white. They're old and they're white. What the hell could they possibly know, old and white? Democrat Party's moving on, we're told. They're moving on from old and white. To new. And whatever. Skin color has nothing to do with this, ladies and gentlemen. Racism has nothing to do with this. Ocasio-Cortez and Omar and Talib are reprobates. They're anti-Semites. They're anti-American. Okay, what a color they are, or what their backgrounds are, or what their religions are. And yet there's Joe Biden today talking about he will end Trump's banning of Muslim immigration. There is no ban on Muslim immigration. And there's Nancy Pelosi the other day. Make America white again, she said. You know what? I think this Aach is on to something. I think Biden is a racist. And I think Pelosi is a racist. What do you think of that? Listen to what they say. Listen to how they talk. Maybe they're all racists. I'll be right back. in. That's the Yiddish. Each, 29 years old, same age as Castro when he uh, overthrew the government in Cuba. With a lot in common, these two. Here's from the Daily Caller. Ocasio-Cortez's chief of staff admits that the Green New Deal is really about, and it's not the climate. Written by Peter Hassan. Peter, you might want to check out Plunder and Deceit. There's an entire chapter on this, but what the hell. Democratic New Year Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's Green New Deal is more about drastically overhauling the American economy, you don't say, than it is about combating climate change, her top eight admitted. Ocasio-Cortez's chief of staff, Saikat Shabarabarati, ah, whatever, made the revealing admission in a meeting with Democratic Washington Governor Jay Inslee's climate director in May. A Washington Compost reporter accompanied to the meeting for a magazine profile published Wednesday. The interesting thing about the Green New Deal is it wasn't originally a climate thing at all, said What's-His-Face to Inslee's climate director, Sam Ricketts. Now, there, there's a name I, I, I mean I can at least pronounce, Ricketts. No offense. No offense in the least. It's just that I'm saying if I can't pronounce it, it's not intentional. Do you guys think of it as climate thing? Because we really think of it as a how do you change the entire economy thing. 
uh, he said. Ocasio-Cortez's press office didn't immediately respond and so forth and so on. I, I, other than you, my beloved audience, I don't think these people pay attention to what I'm trying to explain to them day in and day out, night in and night out. You do. How many times have I explained that the Green New Deal was exported from Germany into the United States? I talk about the huge meeting they had there. It's all in plunder and deceit. That there's this a deindustrialization, degrowth movement aimed specifically at the United States. I don't know how many more times to say these things. I don't want to bore you. I don't know how to get it through to other conservatives out there with their websites and the this and the that and so forth. Of course it's not about climate. It's anti-capitalism. It's anti-free will. It's anti-individualism. It's anti-freedom. It's anti-market. Naomi Wolf, I even quote her in Plunder and Deceit. She says exactly that. It's not about the environment and the climate. It's about the economy. Destroying capitalism and promoting socialism. Why do you think I'm so hard on this idiot Chuck Todd? Chuck Todd is a very dumb guy with a very dumb haircut. Like he's in fourth grade and his mother can't... I cut it across the... Now, should I comb it over here? Much like Trey Gowdy, may I say, with all due respect. In any event... We're not having any guests on here who deny man-made climate change. This is an idiot. It's never been about man-made climate change, clown. It's about the government devouring the private economy. That's what it's always been about. If the government can control the air, the water, and the land, there's nothing left. And what better way than to blame man for the climate changes? Now, the climate changes all the time, but if you can blame man, then you pass laws. You can't pass laws and apply it to the sun can't pass laws applied to the atmosphere. You can pass laws to restrict human beings. And they're so giddy with their, with their propaganda that they even want to control cows. Cows. And then you have fools all over TV like Chuck Todd and, and Fake Tapped Out and others who not only buy into this, they promote it because they're low IQ, they're not that well informed about these subjects, they don't want to bring people on who actually know something, they just bring political hacks on, paid-for scientists, ideologues on, and may make climate change, yes, no, well, well, of course, uh, of course there is. uh. And they don't even debate it, it's just that if you don't agree with them, there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you. So, of course, it's never been about the climate. That's why I play that George Carlin bit from time to time. He has a way of explaining it that none of the rest of us do. And he, the conceit that somehow we can control the climate one way or another is so absurd. And that we can predict the climate. We can't predict the weather 10 days from now. And yet we know what the climate's going to be 15, 100 years from now. 
people fall for this stuff because they want to believe. People want to believe in socialism. They want to believe in free stuff. Now, when you start to talk to them and say, well, if everything's free, who's going to want to work? What the hell's wrong with you? Who's going to want to produce? Who's going to produce all this? What are you, you racist? Oh, yeah. Got it all figured out. Let's see here. Who do we have on the phones? Doesn't matter. I only have 30 seconds left. All right, we'll get to the phones, a few more issues, and we'll call it a day. I'll be right back. Don't ask him for middle ground. There is no middle ground. Talk with Mark Levin now at 877-381-3811. If you believe that you're not being snooped on, well, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but you are. Hackers, governments, ad companies all slurp up your data. That's why I strongly recommend getting the software that I trust to protect my own online activity, ExpressVPN. Their apps use powerful encryption to secure your data. ExpressVPN runs in the background of your computer or phone, and then you use the Internet just like you normally would. All you do is download the app, click to connect, and you're ready. You're protected. I never gone online without ExpressVPN, and you shouldn't either. ExpressVPN is the fastest VPN, costs less than 7 bucks a month, and comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Take back your online activity like I did with ExpressVPN. Protect your online activity today and find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash mark. That's expressvpn.com slash mark. For three months free with a one-year package, visit expressvpn.com slash mark to learn more. And a reminder, you can always listen to the Mark Levin Show. That would be me, by the way, podcast. Several ways to do it. Go to marklevinshow.com, our magnificent website. That's the home base. marklevinshow.com. And at the top, you'll see a number of links. One of them says Audio Rewind. All you do is click that. And you can do that on your iPhone or your any other handheld device you have or your iPad or whatever. You know what you have. Or you can go to Apple Podcast and type in Mark Levin. Or go to Google Podcast and type in Mark Levin. So once more, you can go to marklevinshow.com, our great radio website. It's actually a very nice website. And go to Audio Rewind. You can type in Mark Levin at Apple Podcast. Go to Google Podcast. Again, type in Mark Levin. And there are other ways to do it, too, but those are three good ways. And you'll always catch the show. Or maybe you'll say, I just heard him say something. Did he really say that? Did he really? Sally, I just heard him. You want to hear what he said? Anyway, all you have to do is go to the podcast or rewind. And it is a very fast-growing podcast. So if we're preempted somewhere, or if we're tape delayed, or if you didn't catch the show live, you can always hear us. And I've made the strongest effort I know how to make the show available on every uh, platform. Satellite, terrestrial, you can go on your computer, podcast, whatever it is. We're available everywhere. And so you can check it out. One more time, uh, our podcast, marklevinshow.com. Look at the top links at the top of the page. Hit Audio Rewind. 
Uh, you can set it up that way. Apple Podcast, type in Mark Levin. Google Podcast, type in Mark Levin. You know, any pod, if you listen to any podcast, however you get to that podcast is how you can get to my podcast pretty much, right, Mr. Producer? Just type in Mark Levin or Mark Levin Show, and it'll be there right for you. It can take me with you everywhere. I mean, almost everywhere. Everywhere. What was I doing here? Our good friend John Lott contacted me today, and he informed me of something I hadn't known. He's been banned from Twitter. John Lott. John Lott, the expert on crime, crime prevention, handguns, and the Second Amendment. That John Lott. John Lott, how are you, my friend? Uh, doing great. Good to talk to you again, Mark. John, like what? what is going on now? Yeah, it's pretty funny. I've been locked out of my account. Uh, in March, I put up a tweet uh, dealing with the mass public shooting in New Zealand. And uh, all the tweet basically said was that the shooter there was, quote, a socialist and environmentalist who hates capitalists and free trade. And I also noted that uh, he believed uh, his attack would lead to more gun control in New Zealand and the United States. And are these facts? Yeah, they were just taken from his manifesto, things that he had uh, stated explicitly himself. So you looked at his manifesto, you gleaned information from his manifesto, you provided it publicly on Twitter, and what happened? Uh, Well, last week I uh, tried to log on to the account, and I got a message that the only thing it showed was a copy of the, the, the tweet that they said was offensive. Uh, with no explanation. They said, you have violated Twitter's rules for the following reasons, colon, and then it was blank. And uh, So wait a minute, you don't even know why they, right. they, they cut you out. Right, and so they gave me an option to appeal, and I, I appealed. And I, in my appeal, I basically said, look, you haven't told me what I've done wrong. Uh, everything in here is, uh, is exactly correct. Uh, you know, I put it up there because... You had tons of tweets on the other side claiming that uh, the killer was a right winger. And uh, I was just trying to point out that, uh, you know, this guy was anything but a right winger. And, uh, you know, the only reason why I think most people were claiming he was a right winger because anybody who's a racist must be a right winger. There's no, they can't believe that somebody who's a socialist or an environmentalist could be, uh, could be uh, a, a racist. And... Uh, and so I appealed, and then on Tuesday I got back uh, an email from them saying that uh, they had looked over it again and they saw no reason to change their original decision and that uh, I had violated the following rules, colon, and again it was blank. So, you know, they just, uh, again, they wouldn't... So where, where can you go from here? Well, I mean, I can go and uh, agree to remove the tweet and acknowledge that, uh, uh, that I did something wrong in putting it up there and that I will basically be promising not to do it again. But I didn't put up anything that was wrong. And I don't want to acknowledge that I did anything wrong in putting it up because it's exactly correct. I mean, the, you know, right-wingers don't normally declare, quote, conservatism is dead, end quote, or that, quote, global capitalist markets are the enemy of radical autonomous, uh, uh, autonomous. Uh, you know, this guy, 
he he is a racist because he's an environmentalist. He he is upset that third world people are coming to countries like New Zealand or Australia. And the reason why he's upset is because they have lots of kids. And he says kids, having lots of kids, will damage the environment. So it's important to keep races out of those European areas where they're going to have lots of kids and damage the environment. So, I mean, even his racism was based on environmental beliefs. That must be why you were banned. You can't, you can't, you know... uh declare what the man actually said in writing and tie environmentalism to racism because I'm sure many of the people at Twitter are of this mindset of the hard left. Yeah, I mean... But but the idea that they don't provide you with any specifics and then you have to appeal and then on the appeal decision uh, they don't provide you with any specifics. I mean, that's like some kind of Soviet or uh, old (laughs) Soviet or or red Chinese uh, courtroom. Right. I mean, I tried. I spent some time looking around at Twitter to see whose other accounts may have been frozen on this. But there's all sorts of people uh, who are having the most vitriolic language, saying that the the killer was a right winger and that Trump was responsible for the deaths and that Trump has blood on his hands and that people should take action against Trump for doing these things, things that you would think would violate... Well, has, uh, has Omar been banned for any of her anti-Semitic rants? No, of course not. Has Talib? Right. No, I mean, obviously, I understand your point. How about Ayach and her uh, attacks on Nancy Pelosi as a racist? No, of course not. I see. So, but, um, uh, you know... It's, and by the way, Ayach, that's the Yiddish pronunciation, just so you know. John Lott, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know where you go from here, do you? Well, I mean, I guess in part the idea is to embarrass them. And uh, so uh, we still, I still have uh, the Crime Prevention Research Center. We have our Twitter account there, Crime Research One. <laughs> and... We put up, we pinned up a, at the top of our post there uh, a picture of my original tweet, along with their responses where they don't give an answer. And you know, if people can. So wait a minute. Can, so so far they haven't banned that particular one. No, it's only been up for a week. Who knows? I mean, this other one. They might now that you're talking about it. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I would hope that if they do that, you know, they'll be embarrassed. I would hope that uh, they get embarrassed anyway for uh, for doing it. I, it's only look. I'm not for regulation. I'm not going to go and call that the government should go and regulate. Usually, when the government regulates things, it just protects the companies, the industry that it's regulating. And I have no desire to entrench Twitter and Facebook and other places that are there. But that doesn't mean that. I mean, just as you set up uh, alternative television and do your radio show to provide it. That doesn't mean we can't embarrass them and hopefully uh, call attention to it and maybe get them to realize that there are other battles that they should fight. John Lott, if people want to read more about this and about you and your group, where do they go? Well, our website is crimeresearch.org, crimeresearch.org, and the Twitter account is at crimeresearch1. All right, good luck. Keep us surprised. And there he goes, John Lott. He's a very earnest, decent man who comes under enormous attack because he's a true blue scholar, an academic. 
and he just doesn't go along with the crowd. You'll never see him on Meet the Depressed or Deface the Nation or uh, or Good Riddance America or any of those shows. You'll never see him. I'll be right back. Mark Do you wish that double chin would just disappear? Newsflash, ladies and gentlemen. People look at your jawline. It simply tells your age. Here's Robin from Lubbock, Texas. I put Genesal jawline cream on my neck two or three days ago. This is the best my neck has looked in 20 years. People told me my face looks young. I'm blown away. Using MDL technology in Chamonix's proprietary base, Genesal's brand new jawline treatment specifically targets the delicate skin around the neck and jaw for tight, healthy, younger-looking skin. See results right before your eyes or, listen up, 100% of your money back, no questions asked. Call now, and the classic Genesel for bags and puffiness is free with your order. And to start seeing results in 12 hours or less, Genesel Immediate Effects is also yours free. No double chin, no turkey neck, and no sagging jawline because no one needs to know your age. 800-SKIN-604, that's the number. 800-SKIN-604 or Genesel.com. Get your two free gifts and free express shipping. Call 800-SKIN-604 or go to Genesel.com. That's Genesel.com. 800-SKIN-604. What's today, Thursday? Yes. I guess that means tomorrow's Friday. I guess so. All right. Let's go here. Days go very fast for me. I don't know. I love what I'm doing, so I, uh, it's hard to even track which day is what anymore. All right, let's go. Jim, Clear Lake, California, XM Satellite. Go. Hey, how are you doing today? Thanks for your voice of reason and giving us a chance to express our voice. Thank you, sir. Um, the green, New Green Deal is my belief is more about de-industrializing the United States of America. When we started shipping companies overseas to build stuff, we shut our plants down. What made us great in World War II is we had... Now that, that has nothing to do with the Green New Deal. Shutting down the Green the, New Deal wants to shut them down, period, not ship them anywhere. No, 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 exactly. That's, that's my point. What got us to be one of the greatest fighting forces in World War II is we had a lot of men with real hearts, and we had a lot of companies that all they had to do is retool from cars to Jeeps, from washing machines to helmets, and from sewing machines to machine guns. Well, So if this those, Green New Deal takes hold, we won't even be able to do that. Exactly my point. Go ahead. We, won't, we, we don't have the plants open. To just retool, they're, they're dormant. It takes how long to, to get a plant restarted again? The steel no, but this is a great point you're making. I hadn't even thought about it. This is in addition to destroying our economic system, it will destroy our capacity to defend ourselves. Exactly. Or others. We can't defend Sir, you have just won a signed copy of Unfreedom of the Press. Don't hang up. Mr. Producer, send me an email. Remind me on Monday, Okay. We need more signatures. All right, those two things. Don't forget, because I will. That's for sure. 
Rhonda, Fargo, North Dakota, the great WZFG. Go. Hi, Mark. I think in regards to Pelosi, she ought to be handcuffed, perp-walked, and charged with obstruction of justice, coaching illegals to break the law. As she is a lawmaker, she has become a lawbreaker. And as far as for Trump, he's only following the laws that she... Do, do you think... Why, why doesn't the Senate... Remember they used to talk about uh, the Attorney General Bill Barr being handcuffed in the seat and then uh, eventually sent off to the... House of Representatives prison. Remember, it was Nancy Pelosi who smiled and thought about that. Uh, maybe we ought to do that to her. And I think she needs a mental evaluation. She is incapable of mm-hmm. carrying out the laws she has made. And mm-hmm. as far as Trump, I think he should just shut the border completely down until the never-Trumpers and the Democrats can get their ducks in a row and get some immigration laws made that they all can enforce. We'll see. What a crock. What a waste of money. All right, North Dakota. Thank you very much. Let's continue. Mark Monroe, New York, the great WABC. Go. Hey, Mark. I appreciate what you do, and I'm glad that you uh, love what you do. Thank Uh, you. Quick observation. We all all know that the uh, Democrats, when they can't refute great conservative ideas, that they just resort to ad hominem attacks. Uh, it's very frustrating that now it seems that the legal arguments, and it seems like this is what, what happened with the citizenship question on the census, legal arguments are now based on the motives of the person trying, who's trying to do something. Mm-hmm. So it, it seems to me that it undermines the entire law. In other words, they're politicizing have- the law. Yeah. Well, and you're right. And I'm going to tell you what Josh, Justice Roberts and his ilk are doing. They're destroying respect for the rule of law. They're destroying respect for the judicial system. They are doing to the judiciary what the modern media has done to the press. They're undermining their own institutions. Uh, And they apparently are going to continue to do so. Another great... Don't hang up, Mark. You win a copy of Unfreedom of the Press signed by me. Don't hang up. Let's go to Donna, Frederick, Maryland, the great WMAL or WMAL. How are you? Hi, fine, thank you. Thank you so much for your book. It's terrific. I love it. It's, thank it's you. It's really great and no sense of irony. I was looking at the Liberty Daily and came across a, a piece um, where they're talking about CNN. Analyst Lewis was suggesting that journalists should be brainwashed to do away with racist garbage like Carlson's show and talk radio. Mm-hmm. And I was just sitting, my jaw is just dropped. I cannot believe that we have this Zucker who's in charge of this propaganda disaster and that they still have a platform is amazing to me. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they honestly think that they're going to convince all America that this is the right thing to do. You know, just, Donna, they can't even convince the 12 people who watch that network. And I think we should sick the EPA on them because I think they are a wasteful carbon footprint. What do you think of that? Oh, I agree with you. And I'm a conservationist. So, you know. All right, Donna, we love you. I got to run. Ladies and gentlemen, we salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. All you heroes out there, thank you. All you patriots and Levinites, thank you. If you haven't secured your copy of Unfreedom of the Press, I don't know how much longer it's going to be up there on Amazon. Please run and get it. It's 40% off, or any bookstore for that matter. Again, thank you, and I'll see you tomorrow. Be well.
from the Westwood One Podcast Network.